The world's best family travel advice is about to go live. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein. Welcome to Monday. It's President's Day here in the United States of America. Whether you're working today or whether you're off like I am, hope you're having a great one. A couple weeks ago on Family Travel Radio, I mentioned a brand new element that we are bringing to the table in our effort, in our mission to serve family travelers and to get families traveling more to help them discover what's possible. And that brand new element is a Facebook Live presentation that we will be delivering on the Family Travel Association Facebook page every two weeks. We've already completed two of those Facebook Lives and here today on the podcast, We've got a special treat. I'm really excited to share this with you. This is the audio from the Facebook Live program that was presented last Tuesday and hosted by my good friend, the Director of Communications at the Family Travel Association, Richard D. Ambrosio. And Richard hosted two family travel experts who have decades of combined experience in the world of family travel. We've got Carrie Simmons, the co-creator, co-producer of Travel with Kids TV. And you heard from Carrie's husband, Jeremy, last week on the program when we were talking to real families at the New York Times Travel Show. Jeremy Simmons is the other co-creator, co-founder of Travel with Kids TV. Today, we're going to be hearing from his wife, Carrie. And also part of the conversation is Lara Dorman from Two Moms Travel. On the Facebook Live, Richard and Carrie and Lara got into some really interesting, really deep and practical conversation. And the advice and the tips were flying left and right, talking about optimal time to book vacations, talking about traveling during the shoulder season, even traveling during the school year. Some of the best advice for taking your kids out of school that will have the least amount of impact on their education and on your relationships with the school but that can also have potentially the biggest impact on their real-world education outside of the classroom. So really dig in. Make sure you're paying attention this week. This is really a doozy. Tons of great stuff coming up. Richard did a phenomenal job moderating this conversation. If you want to be part of a future Facebook Live event, just head over to the Family Travel Association Facebook page where you'll find the schedule of upcoming events. And I'm going to have a link directly to the FTA Facebook page in the show notes at familytravel.org slash radio. You can also just navigate over to the description of this episode in the podcast app, whatever you're listening to the show on right now, just head over to the description. You'll find a clickable link that'll take you straight out to that Family Travel Association Facebook page. All right, my friend, I really think you're going to enjoy this. We've got Richard D'Ambrosio, Carrie Simmons, and Lara Dorman talking family travel recorded during an actual Facebook Live event. And I'm thrilled to share it with you right here today on Family Travel Radio. Enjoy. We are live. Um, This is the second Family Travel Association Facebook Live, part of our Take Family Time campaign. We are trying to help moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, sisters, brothers, you name it. Families come in all shapes and sizes with different relatives involved. But one thing that's universal for all of us is the transformational potential of travel. 
And we are going to continue on the theme of how do you get over this, this challenge of planning travel? It seems to be one of the biggest obstacles that um, individuals have. They get intimidated and daunted. And we have two amazing guests tonight. We have two moms who travel. Um, they are in the media side of the industry. They have traveled extensively and chronicled their journeys with their children. And while their stories are somewhat different, um, again, their experiences are universal, and we hope that you get a lot out of tonight, um, both understanding how uh, their experiences are much like yours, but also the tips and advice that Lara and Carrie are going to offer tonight to get you to plan your travel better. So first, let me introduce in the center box, Lara Dorman. She <laughs> is a um, content creator for her own successful blog, Two Moms Travel. This is not just an ordinary blog. It is for moms and readers around the world who understand that accepting two moms traveling together with their children is no different than anybody else. Now, Laura did not intend to get into this business. She chronicled a journey and people were so enthused about what she had done that she realized she was onto something. So she's now explored 25 countries most of the United States, and she is just receiving so much support from friends and family about her content, about her experiences, and how she's empowering others to do the same. So, Laura, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. And then we have Carrie Simmons. Carrie and her husband, Jeremy, are the creators and hosts of Travel with Kids, which is a television series that airs on public station uh, public television stations nationwide and in 30 countries internationally. They've been at this since 2004. And the program is perfect for us tonight because Carrie has built a career with Jeremy, educating families about the history, the culture, the nature of the destinations that she's taking these children to. And this, again, was not Carrie's uh choice. She kind of fell into this role. She originally was in the media industry, handling promotions and um, special travel sections. But after getting out of the corporate world and taking some time off with an eight-month-old to go around the world with Jeremy, who's now her co-producer, um, they realized travel was their thing. So, Carrie, thank you for being with us tonight. Yeah. Family Travel Association has tremendous research that we do every uh, year. And in our fifth year, we know that we continue to come back to this concept that many families tell us, many parents tell us, they're daunted by the challenge of planning. So what I'd love to hear, first from Carrie and then from Laura, are your stories about that first trip where people thought you were crazy and yet you just went and did it and learned some planning tips that are timeless for all of us. So Carrie, why don't you start us off? So um, as you said, my husband and I traveled around the world before we had kids. And when we had Nathan, everyone said, oh, you got to stop traveling now. And I thought, why would I want to not travel and expose him to all the things we just saw and the cultures and the history. And so when he was 10 months old, we brought him to Morocco and Spain. And everyone said, how did you do that? How did you get diapers? How did you get baby food? And I was like, well, they have babies. So I bought their baby food. <laughs> we had a background in video production and uh, creative writing. So we're, and this is going to date me. We made a DVD about how to travel with your kids. 
And then that eventually evolved into our TV show, PBS, uh, that's on PBS called Travel with Kids. And now our tour company, TWK Travel and Tours. Thank you so much. People just were amazed that, oh, my goodness, you'd take uh, less than one year old around the world. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, Laura, for you, what was your first excursion with small children and what did it teach you about planning family travel? Our first trip with um, our daughter when she was five months old was to Hawaii and I packed the house. (laughs) <laughs> and one I and we had one of those big luggage racks put push carts and air, things were falling off. I packed probably two large suitcases for just the baby cuz you know she needed three outfits a day. <laughs> right? Not two. of course, yes. <laughs> right. And I thought and then there was the car seat, there was the stroller. I mean, we brought everything that we could possibly thought we would need. And I thought after that trip, I will never, never travel like that again. There is no way. And so from then on out, I've mastered the art of as little as possible. And I'm a neat freak. And so keeping it organized has definitely been a challenge every single time we go somewhere. The two of you have described first occasions where it didn't sound like either one of you were daunted, were you? Laura, were you daunted at all by that first trip? I mean, you planned for it and you packed for it, but was it intimidating thinking, um, how much clothing am I going to need? What if my child, because little babies do have blowouts and other right. <laughs> experiences. Oh, and throwing up on the plane. Right. Um, Yes. So, no, it was daunting. And I thought, how? I mean, I can't even go to the grocery store without packing a suitcase. How am I going to travel eight hours on an airplane? It was. And and one of the main things people always freak out about is that airplane ride. Right. And I thought I was going to have to just pack everything for just in case. Right. And so, um, definitely figuring out that that is still a challenge. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Knowing the destination that we're going to um, and, and mentally starting to prepare how, how we will as a family pack for that. Right. I, I remember that as well. I mean, um, I am a minimalist, but like you all, I remember when my kids were small, I, I think we even used to, you know, for certain trips, even pack the, um, the uh, foldable crib. Right. <laughs> right. In the pack and play. <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. So, so, Carrie, as you listen to Laura, do you hear the voices of families that you have encountered over the six years, 16 years that you and Jeremy have been doing this? Do you do you hear the, the questions and the comments and the concerns of, oh, my God, how do I pack if it's a small child? Yes. Um, what are your what are your tips for people who can get too caught up and overwhelmed in all of that? I mean, for the most part, what I always tell people on the packing front is you can almost buy everything there unless it's a prescription or unless it's something that's specific to you right. you can buy it on the road. So don't worry about that. The flight is eight hours, 10 hours out of your life. That's another one we get a lot. People are stressing about, oh, I, I can't deal with a 10 hour flight. Like once you get there, all that's erased. It's like giving birth, right, Laura? Right. You don't oh. remember. <laughs> you want to have another one. <laughs> so on the same realm as that, 
you know, the flight and knock on wood, I'm going to knock right here because we've never had a baby on a flight with us. Like not even my own baby, like a stranger baby that has cried the entire flight. Usually, you know, you'll have one or two cry here and there, but they settle down. So likely odds are that your baby's not going to cry the whole way. Even if it does, worst case scenario, you have a wonderful time there and that all gets erased. Mm -hmm. So those are two of the big things. And then there's always like, oh, well, we talked a little bit before, like they're not going to remember. It doesn't matter if they don't remember. It's part of you growing as a family together, learning as a family together exploring as a family together, discovering and really forming those bonds that you don't necessarily get a chance to do with all the schedules that here, you know, you have kids going to school and activities, dances, and you don't really get to ch- that chance to bond together. Laura, as you listen to Carrie talk about the inspiration and motivation for, for overcoming those challenges uh, have you ever heard back from someone who felt daunted, um, had the courage to go and came back and said, boy, that was worth it? Yes. And I love it. That is the most rewarding feedback that I can get for somebody that might have had a bit of trepidation to go, especially on a long flight, and that they did it and they felt successful for me as a, as a travel writer and putting tips out and, and traveling myself and showing people that we can do that, it, it is it's the most rewarding um, aspect of my job. So Carrie just talked a little bit about airline flights. And I'll tell you, I flew with two children, uh, my son, my middle child, who's now 20, I think was maybe a year old. And we were coming home from Greensboro, North Carolina. And there was rain in New York and storms, so they had a ground home for us. And they had already boarded this little, you know, propeller plane. And we were stuck on the tarmac in the summertime. And Christopher decided about 30 seconds into that plane that he was going to cry at the top of his lungs nonstop. Oh, and uh, and I, you know, the, the the there were maybe twelve rows of seats inside this little plane, and two, you know, two seats on either side of the plane. I actually, I think it was two and one. I think it was one of the really small ones, uh-huh. turbo props, and all. And they wouldn't let me off. They wouldn't let me walk back to the terminal with Chris. They we had to stay on the plane, and the flight attendant is, you know, being not too um, forgiving to me for a baby who's crying at the top of his lungs. And every face on that plane wanted to kill me. <laughs> oh, my daughter Nicole was just oblivious. She was sitting with her mother, just kind of reading a book, and here I am walking <laughs> up and down the very short aisle. And what I was wife like, I don't know who that is. That guy needs right. To right. I think she did. I think she just kind of like, oh, I'm traveling alone with her. <laughs> but what I can do is reinforce what Carrie said: is that if I had let that experience intimidate me. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many trips I may not have taken with yeah. those three children. And I think that, you know, what it did was it made me a better planner. Now, obviously with a toddler or someone who's that small, if they've got, you know, a, a t- tooth coming in or, you know, a rash that's bothering them, you really can't do much about that except, you know, try to treat it. But, but certainly what I learned was that there were things I could do to engage the kids at an older age that made those flights, you know, somewhat livable. Mm -hmm. Um, Lara, any advice for 
families watching tonight who are thinking, the last thing I'm ready for is a flight, especially a connection. So I've got to stop somewhere, get off, schlep across a terminal and get on another plane. <laughs> tips that you have that will help people overcome that challenge, that daunting feeling, um, because the end result is just so worth it. The, it's like what Carrie said. It's like you almost have amnesia. Once you get to your destination, everything that was difficult on the plane, it just is just in the past. And it, it, it really, in the scheme of things, isn't the greatest um, setback. But what I have found is trying to book night flights, red eye flights is helpful, especially with young kids. And in this age of electronics, when we're trying not to have our kids on all these devices, that goes out the window when I'm on a plane. <laughs> you can have your marathon, uh, Dora the Explorer, or whatever shows that your child is into. And if that keeps them engaged, and, and I always download it when they're younger, new apps for them that they would enjoy. And something that was new and exciting. And so then they would be engaged in that and less likely to be really fussy. Right. Carrie, how about you? Any, uh, anything to add to that? Uh, I totally agree about the electronics. And nowadays that most of the airlines have it built into the back of the seat. So you really don't even need to bring anything extra for the child. Um, there's lots yeah. of games, entertainment. And I would say the same vein about sugar. Everyone's trying to avoid sugar, but I pack a lot of healthy snacks for them when they were younger. And then I would hold out with these sugary snacks for if they got really upset or something. And, oh, here's a lollipop. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. So that, and then there's a lot of crafts. I would say anything reusable, like wiki sticks, Play-Doh, oh, something that. that you can constantly reinvent a game out of. Those are always great. Yeah, one thing I forgot too is every trip in their backpack, backpacks, I would add in a new a new toy, something, and then what they could open it. It was either a new doll or a new Lego set, my son being into Legos. And he would spend hours just trying to put this Lego together. And luckily we never had a lot of turbulence, so it would shoot it <laughs> off somewhere. But anyway, something something new was always on my agenda to inter entertain them. Mm -hmm. And then we also try and do books or movies about yeah. the destination so that yeah. they learn about it before we get there. So we do yeah. that as part of our TWK tours. We always give the kids books about the place and movies to watch and activities that have to do with the place so that it's yeah. kind of learning experience while you're on the plane. So both of you have two children, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, have you ever found it difficult, because I hear this from some parents, that it's hard for them to decide where they want to go because the kids have different interests. You know, even if we go to Orlando, is one going to want to go to Disney World one day? One's, you know, one's not going to like Disney World. They want to go to Universal Studios. How, how have you, on your own and with your followers, your readers, you know, the people who've written to you or when you're out speaking and come up to you. How often does it come up that parents are daunted by how do I keep everybody happy, including perhaps my spouse? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, and that's an intimidating factor. How do you get around that planning issue? Lara? Fortunately, like pools and beaches are universal in our family. 
So if I plan a vacation that has and amusement parks, those tend to encompass our, our family. And so when I do plan a vacation, trying to not just channel it into one specific child's interest is just definitely to keep it open. And we will talk about destinations and what everybody would like to do within that destination. So they, even when they were really young, as they felt that they had part of the planning. Right. That is very, very important to the kids that they feel that they have a say in it. And then they realize we all take turns. Maybe a particular day we do something that one likes and then the next day. So that's usually about how we approach it. Carrie? Well, I think she hit on something there is that they don't choose the destination. Right. We've had so many families that have said, oh, my little one doesn't want to go to South Africa or Vietnam or wherever. And then once they get there, they're like, oh, my God, this is the best vacation ever. So they don't choose the destination. But once you're there, throwing in some things that are of interest to them or, you know, one day, part of the day, do a museum that's interesting for the parents. And then in the second half of the day, do kayaking because the kids want to be outside, you know, just balancing those type of activities. But I don't think that kids need to dictate the places that we're going because they don't know enough about it. Right. So I, I think the parents are okay choosing. And a lot of people will be hesitant because they're like, well, I'm not going to spend all that money and my kid doesn't like it. They're going to like it. So given the philosophy that you both have, have you ever had feedback from families that said, well, it didn't work that smoothly trying it that way? Did you, have you ever heard a contrarian view or, or other ways of negotiating this, trying to keep everybody happy? Laura? I really haven't. Everyone, it, it seems there's always trials and tribulations when you go somewhere. But in the end, I think everyone is usually pretty darn satisfied. Right. And usually if there's a like one child that's having problems adjusting to the culture or whatever it should be, the nature that's around them. Once they're past it, they've pushed past that fear and then they feel really good about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it actually has built something in them. And then they seem to appreciate that. All great stuff. So now let's talk about the actual planning process. Both of you, to some degree, not just write about and offer advice, but you also are experienced in actually helping families travel, you know, booking that travel. So you also have exposure to things like, you know, the amount of time in advance that someone should be planning a trip. And what we all know, as, as you moms know as well, is that there's a certain amount of time that everyone needs to plan and get you know, availability and get the admission tickets. Yeah. And, you know, let's take the average American who's going to go away for the summertime sometime after, you know, grade school lets out in, you know, mid-June, end of June, and you get that narrow July-August period. For some of the more popular destinations, any tips for anybody watching tonight about what families should be doing to book in advance, how far in advance for some of the more popular destinations like the National Parks, um, Orlando, California, New York? Any tips for getting the best availability and the best pricing? Carrie? 
Uh, I think for airfare, you're looking at maybe six months out. If you go too far out, the prices are exorbitant. If you get too close, the prices are exorbitant. So six months for international travel, about three months, two months for domestic travel, I think is kind of a sweet spot. A lot of people say Tuesdays and Saturdays, but I think that is some weird algorithm. I don't think it <laughs> falls on Tuesday. <laughs> um, but I've tried. I've tried it too. It doesn't work. <laughs> Midnight. But then like... The hour of the day works. There are some places that get really crowded internationally in July and August that yeah. you have to book. Like hotels, you usually don't have to book very far out. But there are some places in July and August that get so crowded that you might want to Think about a three-month window, six-month window. Even sometimes in Europe, there's a year window, if depending if it's a very specific place you want to stay. Laura, what's been your experience? My experience is I will first. I always call up the weather, just average weather, and and like and Carrie said with the with the airfare and everything that to me doesn't have to be like the unless you're using points and then points right. if you're using miles or something for your kids or for yourself the further out the better because you can get the super saver but things like the Eiffel Tower tours that'll book out you want to know and engage with your travel agent if you have one is what holidays uh your trip might fall over because that'll dictate the cost of a hotel that could that could raise it 5 five times the normal amount and just really understanding where you're going and what hindrance might occur that you won't either won't either see a certain monument or something that you'd like to see, or it'll be out of your budget. Right. You know, it's um, I've got a couple of destinations that I regularly have to visit and I've seen that there are certain times of the year where the rates are, you know, three times what I would pay in the shoulder yeah. seasons. So what advice do you have for parents about looking at those shoulder season times? I, I remember back in the day when my kids were in elementary school, I had no problem pulling them out of elementary school to take advantage of better availability, <laughs> lower prices on vacations. Is it advisable? Um, have you ever had pushback from school districts or teachers? Do you see parents? And, and have you utilized that concept to save a little bit of money and also, you know, have a little bit more of the destination to yourself? Right, right. Our principal at our grade school actually said they, and don't share this with anybody at the school, <laughs> that they get a better education traveling than they were in the classroom. She said, as long as the teacher's okay with it and they're getting good grades, pull away. So mm -hmm. we pull a lot. High school is a little harder to pull it. But, um, but yeah, we pulled them all the time during those shoulder seasons. And what were those experiences like, Car Carrie? What, I mean, did you, do you have any memories of, you know, being less part of the crowd as a result and, and something magical happened? In Peru, one of my favorite memories of Peru, and we have gone back there almost every year for the last five years with tours because we love Peru, but Machu Picchu gets crazy busy in the summer. Mm -hmm. So we were there in a shoulder season, and this was when the kids were little. It was the first time we went there, and Seamus is having a meltdown on the trail up to Machu Picchu. So Jeremy and I are both facing Seamus and you know trying to deal with I don't even remember why he was upset about something but 
And Nathan kept walking and the, you know, the crest was right there. So it wasn't far. And this older gentleman came down the path the other way and he goes, is that your kid? And I was like, oh, geez, what do you do? Like, did he say something obnoxious? Did he ruin his time? He goes, his face just made my trip because there were not very many people out. And he got to see my eight-year-old crest over and see Machu Picchu for the first time. Oh, that's great. He was just like, <gasps> oh. <laughs> and, oh, he just made my trip. So that was a nice one. South Africa, we always go during our summer, which is their winter. Right. So there's not a lot of foliage on the trees and the water holes have shrunk. So all the animals are a lot closer. So we've had amazing experiences there. Every, wow. and we, every year we take a tour there because it's our favorite. Everyone you know, asks, what you, what's your favorite? And I'm like, well, it depends what you like. But I'm like, it's South Africa. And the animal encounters and the animal interactions. Oh there are just phenomenal. Laura, yeah. any uh, shoulder season tips and favorite stories? Like Harry, our school, Missoula International School, encourages travel. I know, I do know that a lot of schools, especially public schools um, through the U.S., they do limit because their funding is based on attendance. And, and in here in, in Montana, Missoula as well. So you... You need to be creative and you can look for you can have a, a wonderful trip and maybe shoulder it over spring break and maybe towards the end where hotel prices are starting to go down. Or what we do is um, we will do maybe one week during spring break and then the week following spring break. So then we get two weeks right. or in the winter time, we'll use the two weeks that they get for uh, winter break and maybe add another week. If we're going somewhere a little bit more exotic that like South Africa or something where it takes a long time to get there. So you don't want to just hurry up and rush. We also tend to go, our, our summers here in Montana are why I live here. So I don't necessarily want to be gone for our summers. And so uh, the last, maybe the last week of school when the kids really aren't doing much and their schoolwork is done and they're just there for the hours at that point um, is a nice time to travel. Or on the flip side is right before school starts and maybe missing just a few days when school starts. Those are the optimal times for my family. Good tips. Okay, now the FTA research has demonstrated that uh, multi-generational travel continues to grow. I can't say that I've ever taken a multi-generational trip. I think maybe I didn't realize it, but there was one um, way back when the kids were small and uh, my ex-wife's parents came with us. What's been your experience either personally or observing people close to you about the complexity of planning grow when you're adding another generation to the uh to the trip so i've done these more recently and overall it it is the best experience i have memories with my parents um the kids have memories with their grandparents and as far as booking no, it, it's been just absolutely amazing. I have to make sure the activities that we do plan together will be 
sufficient for everybody. Like I'm not going to take my father on a 30 mile bike ride through the <laughs> Cambodian countryside, but um, you know, and then there's the expectation where everybody has to do something together all the time. Well, no, you can take the kids and go do something. They can, they can go wine tasting or something. And then everybody meets for dinner. And in fact, I'm booking an amazing Italian uh, Italy trip for 10 people that includes grandparents, young kids, and everybody in between. And it's fun. It's very enjoyable. I don't, I don't really see it much of a challenge. So, you know, having somebody who's older and may not be able to keep up with the younger kids that doesn't present any challenges or. Cruises are actually great in that regard. I initially didn't care for cruises until I saw how everybody can be entertained and not feel you can do certain activities, you can stay on the cruise. So for me, actually, that was one of the best multi-generation trips that we ever took was the Alaska. I've, I've heard that, that definitely cruises are one of the best ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Carrie, how about yourself? I think cruises are good for that, but I would say that you don't need to do that because I know a lot of people aren't cruise people. So you don't have to be limited to that. Um, we have taken my parents, Jeremy's parents, we've had multi-generational come on our tours with us for the summers. And all the experiences have been just so amazing. Like, the, as you said, the grandparents hang out with the grandkids. And but I think as what Laura was saying, like, as long as you have some time built in where activities are optional. Yep. So if you want to go out and do them with you, they can. If they don't, they don't. Right, and right. Safari is actually really good for that as well, because the afternoon drive will have a lot of the grandparents that are like, I'm going to skip that or I'm going to skip the morning drive. And the kids don't care. They're out having fun and they get back and grandparents are there and they're having their afternoon wine and kids come in and talk about all the things they just did. And it's all good. So I think as long as you know going in that activities are optional. Right. We always on all our tours, we're like, activities are optional. If you aren't feeling up to it, do something else. Stay home. So a good tip is to have those kinds of discussions before you head yes. out. Yeah. Nobody yeah. feels obligated. Right. 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 We actually did when we were in France last year uh, with my parents and we I booked a tour through the Champagne region and our tour guide was absolutely amazing because my children are very much into uh, uh, history and in particular World War One and World War Two. So the tour guide incorporated sites within the region and talked about World War One and World War Two while we did the wine tasting. But then the kids got to try the grapes and actually they were really into the wine, not drinking the wine, but how it was processed and the grapes and everything. You got cool kids. It's getting a little older when you're in France. They don't seem to mind if they taste a little bit of the wine. Right. And that makes the kids really excited <laughs> as teenagers. <laughs> so uh, we're about 33 minutes in. We haven't had any questions yet. So I'm going to ask you, what is your number one travel hack for families, Laura? My number one is... Oh, gosh, I have a few, but um, then. I would have to say is loyalty to a hotel or to an airline. 
and signing up to get those perks. Mm-hmm. Um, hotels, Hilton, high, all the, the major ones, especially offer even at the bottom tier, at least like free Wi-Fi and lounge access or something like that. And so that can really even help save money when you're traveling. But having loyalty to an airline uh, and the credit cards that might go with that particular one. um, For instance, Delta, having a Delta credit card, you get the points, you get more points when you book using your Delta card, plus free bags and stuff like that. That really can save you a lot of money when you travel. Mm -hmm. Carrie, some of your favorite travel hacks? Yes. I mean, obviously the point programs are a great one. Um, we all we do say if you're not going to pay your credit card off at the end of the month, don't go there. Don't use it, right? <laughs> you just give yes, it back. If you're disciplined, then sure. Skyscanner right. uh, has a tool that you can put where you are or where you're flying from and then everywhere on the date that you want to go. And it'll show you everywhere what the cost is. So that's always a good one. So if you're not sure, like you're not set on one destination, we will put in something, you know, put in our where we're going to start from and then put in everywhere. And I'm like, oh, we can do this for this amount and this for this. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with me is that I'm like, okay, now we're here and then we can do this for this. this (laughs) It doesn't end. It's like a remodel. You start on one project and you just keep going. And then we always like the Travel Zoo Top 20. There's an email you can sign up for and they'll send you their top 20 um, value or budget offers for the week. So there's a lot of good information in there. Mm-hmm. Great. And I also, uh, Secret Flyer is another uh, one that sends Secret Flyer to get notifications about either low airfares, even airfares. We actually t- went to Vietnam recently on an airfare that was honored. An error fare. It was an airfare. It was round trip LA to Saigon business class, $600 each. <laughs> and I found that through Secret Flyer. <laughs> But they they send out notifications about um, low cost fares to destinations, and and if you're wondering maybe where to go, they there was one recently. It was New York to Tel Aviv for four hundred round trip, and if it works within your dates, right, go for it. Right. So we've been talking about planning and how it can be a challenge. The final question then for the evening is. Is there the potential for damage to a vacation from overplanning? Absolutely. (laughs) Laura, why don't you start? Well, because I like what we were talking about earlier is about making sure that you get tickets to the Eiffel Tower. You get tickets here. You get tickets there. But now you've also channeled yourself into a specific itinerary and you get there and you might not feel well or you decide something else is going to be a little bit more fun for the day, but you have tickets to the Eiffel tower or, you know, whatever. And so over planning, I ha- I personally have to be careful of not falling into that. Mm-hmm. I think you fall into, you're missing the moments of spontaneity, which is mm-hmm. what is all about really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moments that you get to a place and you're like, Oh my gosh, I love this place. I'm getting to know the locals. Oh, but I have to go because I have to go do this. So you're missing that. But I think there's another component of it is that when you're at home 
and you start researching these places. And if it's not exactly like what you saw on the internet, you get mad. And you, so then you start becoming angry on your trip. Yeah. Because you're like, well, this doesn't look like this and this isn't like that. So I think there's that component too. You have no surprise left. You have no spontaneity and you don't just appreciate the moments as they come. Right. So plan to a certain point and then stop yourself. <laughs> right. And we all just need some downtime, like Harry said, just to just enjoy where you're at, whether it's walking through the market and going and trying a new restaurant or something. And if you're overplanned, then all of that just can go right out the window and everyone's exhausted and cranky. I'm going to give a plug to Ama Waterways tonight. I took a river cruise with them on the Danube last year. And one of the things I loved about it was the flexibility of not going with the groups. But because you were docked up against the, you know, the, the quay at the city center, I could just go off on my own whenever I wanted. And having that flexibility, knowing that I could join the tour and I'd listen for when they were calling that we were leaving, but I could decide, you know, I've got, I just don't want to go right now. I'll go yeah. later on. I loved that. Yeah. That flexibility. So it was a mix of... of, of <laughs> Being rigid and, and just letting go. It's like thank Harrison, there's a balance. Yes. I want to thank you both for taking your time out tonight to uh, educate me, to educate uh, anybody who's viewing. This video will be staying live in perpetuity at the Family Travel Association page. So um, if you know of somebody who wasn't able to get on tonight, just let them know. They come to the Facebook Facebook page at any time and view Laura and Carrie's advice, um, and you can replay it. Laura Dorman, twomomstravel.com. Carrie Simmons with her husband, Jeremy, at travelwithkids.tv, a new suffix. Or twktours.com. Twktours.com. I'll put that in the notes. Thank you so much. You will be seeing, ladies and gentlemen, tips from Laura and Carrie over the next couple of days, um, kind of recounting some of the advice that they offered tonight. Feel free to share those with your friends, to, um, to reach out to both of them through their social media. You can find them online um, and continue this dialogue. Um, thank you both again for taking part in this Take Family Time initiative. And we look forward to working with you both quite often in the next few years on this campaign to educate more moms and dads and families to get out there. And like you said, to just go and enjoy this incredible experience of, of traveling with your family. So thanks very much. You know that there's more to life than your work, but do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself, like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Family Travel Radio.